Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast. This podcast is about sharing strategies and ideas to help business owners build, protect, and transition their businesses for the future while creating more balance in their life. Your host is Thomas J. Perone, CLUCIC, and president of the New England Consulting Group of Guilford Incorporated, consulting business owners for over 50 years. Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth. Hi, I'm Tom Perone, and I'm your host. And this podcast is all about learning strategies to build your business, to create greater profit, but to create also an abundance of leisure time so you can enjoy what you're building. Today, we have a wonderful guest, and I would like to introduce to you Kevin Murray. Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast, and thank you for participating today. Hey, I'm really excited to hear about what you're doing in business and for other businesses, Kevin. But before I get into that, I would like the audience to know a little bit about you today. How are you doing, first of all? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful New England morning, and uh, thank you for having me on your show. You're quite welcome. And uh, today the audience is going to learn a lot about business and what goes on and what you're doing for them. But let me tell them about you, Kevin. Kevin builds sales, earnings, systems that increase the value of business for his clients. Uh, In a company, if a company, for example, needs growth or change of direction or is under new management or maybe being groomed for sale, merger acquisition, Kevin helps maximize the upside for all involved, and that's creating the most potential value for the business. He's demonstrated this capacity by increasing sales and building smart systems across dozens of industries. And I want to talk about smart systems with you today, Kevin. And this includes um, his own multi-million dollar business from scratch. So Kevin has uh, exited businesses in at least four different modes, each with uh, differing value and brings tremendous CEO and entrepreneurial experience to his coaching and consulting clients. Kevin, that's a big breath of things going on in your life. <laughs> well, I've been in the business world for a, <clears throat> a few decades, as as you have, Tom. So you you learn some things along the way. Yeah, sometimes you stumble over them, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, Kevin, I I have a couple of questions and. Um, one of them is uh, your uniqueness is to help build sales and earnings and the systems that increase the value of business. Can you tell me and tell us a little bit about the process that you go through with your clients? Yeah, well, again, the, as you said, Tom, uh, I learned a lot through building my own business over 20 years, you know, starting from a, a solo startup with no money and no employees and, you know, creating a multi-million dollar business. Um, one of the things that's interesting though, is like I, I went to an engineering school and whether I went there because I had an engineering kind of mind, or I learned to have a little more of an engineering kind of mind, I've always had a systems perspective um, when building my own business or helping my clients with their business. And so one of the things in terms of process, um, and I know you have a great term you use when you, you know, it's in your book and you talk about it, you know, about people that, you know, they know how to make widgets. They know their business. I like to accuse people of being experts <laughs> in their business, you know, whether they're an attorney 
or they're a CPA, or they could be a contractor or a doctor. People have a lot of expertise in the delivery part of their business, but they didn't learn how to build a business. They didn't learn how to run it. Um, and I find that a, a lot of people are, let's say if they're merely satisfied with their business, I think that means they're working too hard. And so my overall kind of big umbrella process of working with folks is to optimize their approach and that'll help optimize the results they're getting for their, from their business. So I'll use a real quick little, just three-part example. So if we say there's three major things that a business really should pay attention to, but most of these expert business owners don't really track too well, one is the number of opportunities that you get to you know, get in front of a client. So that could be the number of proposals, number of quotes or estimates, you know, number of first meetings. You know, if you're a, like, I think you're a hockey guy, you know, it's number of shots on goal, right? So that's number one. Number two is the percentage of those that you close. And number three is the average profit that you yield, that you earn per engagement. And one of my favorite pieces of math is that if you improve each of those components by just 15%, so that's kind of going from, let's say, three closes out of 10 to four and a half. It's not a huge difference. It's like if you get in front of 100 new opportunities in a year, well, now you get in front of 115. So it's not so it's like one more a month. But if you take those three components and improve each of them by just 15%, the multiplied benefit and the result for the owner is a 52% improvement in their profit. So the, you don't have to change everything all at once. You don't have to do big, huge things, but you do have to approach things, you know, work on your business versus working in your business. You know, there was a, a I've heard this before, Kevin, but the way you explained it's um, much easier. Uh, there was a book called Cadence, I think, out there that I read, and and they talk about the seven elements and only an increase of ten percent in seven areas, and by doing that, uh, you uh, increase profitability substantially. You know, so you're right. Just little, it's all in the details. Um, uh, and I know, as an engineer's mind, you look at the details. You don't miss out on those. Where a lot of us in business come into business. We know how to build a widget and we just said, well, I built it good. Everybody's going to like it. Well, that's not going to always happen, right? As uh, my friend Bill Dorr says, if you don't have people in the waiting room, it doesn't matter how good it is, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, I know uh, that when you help companies uh, uh, grow and when they do change to directions, like management or preparing to sell, tell me about the timeline that you need to get a company to systemize its value drivers. So they're ready for market, but they're ready for market to create the most potential value available. Yeah, well, so I, I think the question is, is kind of, or I'll, I'll just talk about a few clients that I've had that approach me when they're thinking they're ready to sell their company. And if they have a timeline of you know, six to 12 months, they certainly can sell their company. It's just like if you got to sell your home and you want to sell it quick, it's just a matter of pricing it, right? If your house isn't selling, you're asking for too much. So it's the same with your business. If you're ready to sell your business for whatever reason, because you have to sell it, you need to retire, there's family or medical issues that need attention and you just can't do your business anymore, 
if you're in a hurry to sell it and you haven't built it with a, a strategic exit in mind, if that hasn't been part of what you've done over years of building your business, you're going to leave a lot of a lot of money on the table. And primarily, you know, these are the things that anybody that's worked you know, in the M&A world, whether it's from the accounting perspective, a legal perspective, you know, benefits and the, the transactional perspective around bringing a client through it. If you've got heavily concentrated ownership involvement, like the business really can't run without the owner, that's going to hurt your, you know, what you take out of a deal. If you haven't worked on creating meaningful recurring earnings and income, you know, that's going to hurt your deal. So, a lot of times if I talk with somebody and we've got a couple years to develop their, their management and their leadership, it could even be just adding one level where you have a real senior you know, leader on the team that could step up to be a general manager. That's a huge difference versus just having the owner run the business day to day. Because if I'm, if I'm a buyer, whether I'm a, a company or uh, you know, investment fund, or just a guy that wants to buy a business. If the owner's running it, then I'm just buying his job. <laughs> you know, I'm not buying a business. I'm buying that guy's job, and there's not a lot of value in that because I got to do all the work. So, so the the work that needs to be done again, there's a there's a few areas, but where where it really starts from, Tom, is the leadership, and the vision, and the commitment of the owner. So if the, if the owner can't see a, a, a bigger payday and a bigger exit, if they're not committed to it and willing to hold a vision, it's really challenging to have them do the work of working on their business versus just being busy, you know, making the widgets every day. You know, it's like time to make the donuts. Yep. No, uh, and I often say to our clients or people I meet, I put it in my book, that if um, – you can't walk away from your business for three months and at which time it still earns income, then you don't have a business. What you do is you have a job. Yeah. So uh, that's a good definition. And maybe that's all right for some people, but I have found in my 50 year experience that the payday is hundreds or hundreds, 10, 15, 20 times more than you ever took out in salary just by spending some time on details. And, you you know, you've mentioned to me in the past, uh, you call it smart systems. Can you you elaborate for the audience what smart systems are to you? Sure, sure. And actually, I just want to go back and highlight something that you said, because I think there's a really important point and it actually ties in with the, the smart systems kind of mentality. So when, when I started my uh, energy conservation company in 1992, I took two weeks off within the first like eight months. I took my uh, girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now. We took two weeks and went on holiday in Europe around, ho- around Christmas time. And that was pretty bold for a business I had just started up and I just brought, I had four or five people that I'd hired for my first office up in Maine. And, um, you know, I, I brought a laptop computer, which we actually had back then, but they were a pretty new thing <laughs> and was able to be in touch across the puddle. Um, but instead of thinking, wow, there's no way I could take three months off, like practice it, test it out, take a, take a Friday off to start, take a couple days off take a week off. You know, it's, it's like a muscle we have to learn to flex. Like, 
for most business owners to tell them they got to take three months off, that would absolutely freak them out. So, and now to kind of, to tie that into the idea of smart systems that you asked about, Tom. Yep. I, I think smart systems, the, the big distinction, and I go back to, you know, kind of the e-myth uh, modality is, is working on your business versus working in your business. Most business owners are pretty busy. And again, they're satisfied, which is this like, yeah, I'm satisfied. You know, they're busy working on their business. They, and what it takes to work on your business rather than in it is a little bit of mindfulness or an, an external perspective. You have to be able to stand back and look at it. I'll, I'll use the phrase, you know, the 30,000 foot perspective. It's like you're flying in a plane and you're looking down over it. We need to have that bigger perspective. And that's hard for a person to do when they're running a business and they're making payroll and they're making the widgets and they're trying to, you know, do everything they got to do. So I, I, I credit my coach. I had a coach for 10 years as I was building my business. So it was a built in, you know, multiple contacts through the month where I knew I had to pause and zoom out and look down on my business and say, okay, what's really needed? What's really important that I don't see when I'm busy in the minutia of the day? So that's one of the uh, hallmarks of smart systems is that we have to either, you know, beg, borrow, or steal an external perspective. If we have the discipline to do it on our own, that's great. For a lot of uh, expert businesses and widget makers, it's really hard to do that on your own because we've never had the practice. We've never had that. So that's why it's it's really smart to consider uh, finding a, a good qualified coach that you know you can work with. The I'm other, not, I'm sorry, just one other quick point yeah, about smart sure. systems. A, a, another thing that I, I think keeps people, holds people back from doing this kind of systems work is they think, well, I got this whole system. I can't change it. And so the myth is that you got to do these huge changes where what really makes a difference is small incremental changes compounded over time. You know, it's the way we're supposed to invest for the future, right? You don't wait till you're 50 and then put, you know, a quarter million dollars in, a, in an IRA account. You put a little bit away every month. So if you, what I taught my team was, this is our system that we're working with today. I think it's really good, but how can you make it a little bit better? Whether it's a, a client presentation, it's a part of our deliverable, it's a service item. It was an ongoing inquiry for the whole team. How can we do this better today, this week, the next time we touch it? And so over a period of years, those small incremental changes compound to make <clears throat> something extraordinary. Well, you know, in my book, I talk about the last 35 years of my practice. I've only worked 80 days a year in which 90% of my revenue was earned. And it was through almost a mistake. Um, I decided I learned from my coach. I need to take time off. Anyways, I won't get into that, but I would take Mondays and Fridays off and have two days a week that were my focus days. And it worked out really well. And I, in my book, I tell people, you know, try it for 30 days and you'll find your life has changed. That's number one. Number two, working in your business, like you said, Kevin, which is such an integral part of creating value for the future and creating a lot more leisure time so you have a better life. You know, Kevin, I, I, I clients, I tell them, give me two hours a month. Give me 
give me two lunch breaks a month to work on your business. And in 10 months to a year, you're going to find an amazing difference. And I think that's what you're saying. It doesn't require a lot of time. It requires quality time. And if you have a system like you and I do, I can, I can get through these systems with these clients very quickly and they can go back making their widgets. Yeah. And again, I like, you know, the idea is like, test it out. I had a client recently. I said, you know, just take Friday afternoon off, try to configure your week. And I have a whole bunch of tools that I share with my clients about how to structure a day and a week around their really highest priority items. Most people simply waste a lot of time on the stuff that isn't going to move the needle. It isn't really going to matter. So I help people. I have a whole process in one of my programs of helping people come up with their biggest, most important projects, you know, that they're working on. And that's kind of what they need to focus on. And the other stuff will get done. But for this one gentleman, it's like, just try to get your work done by Friday lunch and then take the afternoon off. And, you know, we knew what he wanted to do in the afternoon and how we would enjoy that. So that's a start. And it opens up the window. It kind of takes the blinders off the eyes where so many of us were brought up in this model in this country of, you know, work hard and you'll be successful. And the harder you work, the more successful you'll be. And it's, it's clear, Tom, that you kind of crack the code. Like that's, that's a myth. <laughs> yes. and, and I've, you know, I've had a, a really enjoyable life with a lot of, you know, time for my kids as they're growing up and a lot of free time, you know, by design, because I bucked the trend. I didn't buy into the prevailing mythology of, you know, work harder, you know, put your, your nose to the wheel, your shoulder to the grindstone. It's like, no, I, I saw my dad do that. I think there's another way. <laughs> yeah, I think we all learned that from watching our parents, you know, and that's what we were told of you. But I, I you know, let's talk about th this is really important, Kevin. Delegate, delegating. Let's talk about that for a business owner. Because again, this show is really about you and I and anybody else who wants to contribute, taking ideas that have allowed us to enjoy our life, our business life, which I call our, our, our ideal business life. Right. means a lot. How do we do that? And one of the biggest things that I keep coming up with, delegation. Yeah. And and talk about that. Well, it's, you know, again, there's, it's interesting because I'm at a point right now in my career where I'm a, a solo business person. I've had offices up and down the Atlantic coast and projects that I was building in 20 states and, you know, a lot more people on payroll. And I know for some, you know, smaller solo entrepreneurs and smaller businesses, like, well, I don't have enough people to delegate to. I don't have a team. I'm doing everything myself. So there's, there's internal delegation when you do have team and that takes practice, which I think is what your question is going to. But just to remind folks, there's also a lot of other people that you can delegate to that you may or may not pay. So there's, there's marketing partners. There's, you know, there's a lot, there's virtual assistants. There's other people you can put on your team who are more virtual, um, not necessarily on your payroll. And, you know, it's one of the, one of my favorite things over the years I had, I developed a partner marketing strategy where I had other relationships with companies where their salespeople were promoting my business and they weren't on my payroll. 
but I had them booking appointments for me in front of the ideal kind of clients I wanted to be in front of. So delegation, I would say, is another form of you know, leverage. And that, again, goes back to the concept of optimizing your business. You know, what's the most critical thing I need to do? And if I don't, and if I can, if it's not super critical that I do it, well, then I got to delegate it. Maybe a vendor can do it. Maybe a, a part-time office manager can do it. But we need to, to, to be able to reach up to the levels where the business is going to have some longer-term value. And that either means we're doing a strategic exit and selling it, or it could mean that my company just runs and I do, I work 80 days a year, or I, I'm on the beach in the winter and I'm in the ski mountains and, you know, and, and another time in the winter and then I'm over here in the summer. If you want to have that financial freedom and fr- flexibility, you need to have other people that are chipping in and taking care of parts of your business that aren't the things that light you up, aren't the things that you do the best. And I might add that, uh, if you're planning on selling your business on the other end, um, uh, they don't want to buy you. They want to buy the systems and the middle management and the, the next level management. So you're not helping yourself to create the most potential value in your company. So it's really, and you know what, in today's technological world, like you said, Kevin, that there's so much out there that could help even the one person uh, company. There's a great book called The One Person Company, uh, a company of one. That's a very good book. And they, he talks just exactly like what you were saying, Kevin, outsourcing and delegating away. You need to do that. You can't do it all. And, and there's just another add on piece to that, Tom. One of the things I did early on. So by it's delegating isn't just we give a job to somebody else and say, here, you do it. That's kind of the, let's call that level one delegation. Um, what I created early on in my business, we had this big binder. This is huge, like four inch binder. We called it, you know, the book of how we do everything. And it was all indexed and you could open up and it's like, here's how we do our sales and use tax return for Maine. Here's one for Connecticut. Here's how we you know, hire and train and do an ad for a new person. Here's how we do a building audit. Here's how we do a proposal. Really gory detail. But the, uh, there was a couple of key ideas. One was when we hired somebody, we would say, here's our system. But part of your job is to document how you are going to make it better and update the documents to reflect our current best practices. And that was part of the hiring. So we wanted to hear from people, like, how have you taken a process that you were given in, your, in a workplace and made it better? Because that was what we we're looking for, not just the delegation, but the process improvement. And again, that's part of the smart system. The other thing was with this, I mean, we had our systems where it would say, okay, here's how you do this. Do con- open up Word, and then you do Control F, and that opens a file, and then you do this, and that opens up this. We could have a temp come in and do a pretty excellent job at a piece of work that needed to be done because it was so well documented. Now, again, if I'm in a a merger acquisition sale kind of a conversation, if I have a company where the owner just tells me, oh, yeah, you know, we, we get the guys together, we go out in the field, we do our work versus here's your binder. Here's here's your owner's manual for this business. Here's how we do everything in this business. And I have a team that's charged with doing all this and they just they get it done. And I go, I go, uh, you know, kayak. <laughs> That's a really valuable business. 
it, it, that it, it is. And um, uh, it's, you know, the other thing that I learned over the years is if you're in business, you should hire a coach for a period of time because this is where we learn these things, you know, and how to do them. They're so well, critical. Yeah. And again, you look at the, the world's highest performers, you look at the best athletes, guess what? <laughs> They've got coaches. You look at the people that are just really making a big difference. They've got coaches and advisors and they got people around them. Um, you know, we all know we don't have the best ideas. We might have a couple good ideas and that might be good enough, but you know, getting the support from, you know, somebody else's perspective can, can just really open up your mind and open up your business to new ideas and new modalities. Absolutely. And uh, I talk about that in the book, but I, I believe in coaches. I, I admire them because they really keep you on, you know, I call them, we have um, uh, uh, guards on the bridge, you know, the guardrails, they keep us going straight and not to the right or left. Kevin, I want to ask you about the timing of when you personally get involved with a company that literally says I'm exiting, I'm getting out. Um, Tell us about, the time that you need, uh, not only for a company that says, Hey, I want to sell in five or 10 years, but maybe the company that just decides I got to get out of here, but I want to get my most potential value. And maybe they want to get out in two years. Tell us a little bit about what you're going to do with these companies in both scenarios. Well, again, it's, I'll just say generally the, the more time you can have, and, and again, I'm not talking five or 10 years necessarily, but you know, if you can have a, a two-year long runway, that allows a lot of time to get a lot of things done and bring the team on board and keep the leader accountable. So you talk about guardrails being a benefit of the coaching relationship. You know, I, it's, I think it's all about accountability to the owner's best ideas. You know, if the, if the owner is at the top of the org chart, he doesn't have accountability up to anybody. He might have, he or she might have great ideas. But if they're not externalized and nobody's holding their feet to the fire, a lot of those things are going to fall off and not get done. So, again, that's one of the the brilliant uh, uh, reasons to have a coach to create accountability to your great ideas. So if somebody's if somebody's in a hurry, you know, there's a lot you can do in six months. But we're we're talking system change, organizational change. We're talking changing human behavior. It's kind of hard to do that in a shorter, shorter period of time. But the steps, so coming back to your question, Tom, you know, what are, what are the, what's the intervention? You know, what's the strategy? The first step is really understanding how their business, excuse me, how their business runs right now. So that means I want to get inside of how they go to market, who they're marketing to. I want to look at the P&L over the last few years. I want to see their client roster. I want to understand their vendor relationships. Because every one of those components can be optimized for greater efficiency, greater purchasing power, um, er, you know, er, improving your margin and your earnings, being able to delegate. If you can delegate to more of your vendors some of the things that you think you got to pay for in-house, that's just straight going to go to your bottom line. And it also shows, again, a potential buyer that you've really leveraged your business and you're optimizing your business, taking advantage of you know, other resources that are available to your business. So there's a whole lot of research just to understand how the company's going to market, 
how are they selling? How are they advertising, marketing, looking at their web presence, all their web and social media strategies. So I would, I would call this like a, a health and growth assessment. How healthy is the company and how much capacity does it have to kind of grow and scale? Even if we've only got a six month or a two year timeline, there's some substantial things that can get done. So again, first step is kind of do this overview analysis and assessment of you know, what's the current situation. And then from there, again, I, I talked before about you know, leadership and vision and commitment. What's the owner looking for? Do they just they want to get out as soon as they can? Well, maybe we don't have to do too much. We're just gonna, you know, pretty it up a little bit and add some add some things that make it look more compelling to a buyer. If we have a little more time and the owner is will allow us to implement some more things and give us a little more runway, then we can put in place some really smart marketing systems. We can engage some marketing partners that bring a lot of bandwidth. To the company. A quick example of what I mean by that, Tom. You know, most salespeople and most organizations are kind of geared up to do a presentation, you know, one-on-one to a client, try to close that client. And I've been developing and teaching for over 25 years this partner marketing concept. The same amount of time it takes you to sell and engage and close an individual client you can invest that time into selling and closing and engaging a partner company that might be sending you multiple, multiple clients all throughout the year over a period of many years. So that's just one little example of optimizing and leverage where we look at the systems that they have and we we tweak it, we change it. So it doesn't take more time and energy from the people. We're just putting it in a place where they're going to get a, a multiple return on the same investment. Greater capacity. You know, we're so used to thinking in the box and the hard part is to think outside the box because that's where all the action is. That's where the profitability is. You know, I get I get uh, people say, well, Tom, you talk about transition and exit. When should we start thinking about exiting? And I always say when you start or you buy a business is the day you start thinking about exiting. And I liken it this way. If you buy a house today, you keep that house up to date, you cut the lawn, you make sure there's no rotted wood, you keep, you paint it, because you never know when someone's going to knock on your front door and say, I'll give you your asking price plus, even if you're not ready to sell, you never know. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. My, my first bigger business, I wrote the exit plan as part of the business plan. It was built in. I had a three to five year plan um, to, to grow the company and had a strategic exit mapped out. Now, here's another fascinating thing, because if we look at the, the life cycle of a business, we look at the timeline for our, our lives, we're going to spend a lot more time working in the business than the time we spend exiting the business. <clears throat> so the, the good news about all these concepts that we're sharing today, Tom, these are the things, you know, being, building the systems, having the team, having the delegation, having the process, having compounded small improvements over time. These are the things that allow the business owner to enjoy their lives for the 20 years or 10 years or 30 years, however long it is that you're working in that business. And then you have your exit and then you shift into whatever's after that. But it's the same things. It's the same set of same set of work 
that you need to do to set up your company to enjoy it and be able to take time off and be remote and, and, and get some earnings from your business. It's the same exact work product that you would do in preparing for an exit. So to your question, Tom, you know, it's, you know, you, you should start your business with an exit in mind because it's the same strategy and the same work to build an enjoyable life and a prosperous business and just a, a you know have have prosperity of the kind that you want. Yeah, people, uh, business owners don't uh, understand that that you still have to create those those value drivers to grow your business, have profitability, to have good earnings, and those are the things that ultimately. Uh, make up the difference of of creating your most potential value when you decide to get out. It's just a matter of when you decide to get out and how much you you kind of want to uh, get for your business. But Kev, I, you talk, I, I yeah. just I just wanted to add to that. I just I talked to a business owner the other day who's in the process. He just put his business on the market, and he knows that if he doesn't get a certain amount for it, he can just keep running the business the way he does without a whole lot of work and and put meaningful money in his pocket every year. So that's another, it's a, it's a, maybe a transition that's a little different from an exit, but to build your business so that it's basically an annuity that throws money to you every year, whether or not you're putting in meaningful owner kind of work, that's not a bad exit either. <laughs> and it's, not, yeah. it's the same work as if you want to, you know, sell it and, you know, go to the M&A market. Well, you know, I want to talk about creating passive income, but I do want to make a statement. I, I find uh, nowadays, because the younger generation below us uh, are not like we were or our parents, they, they don't want to work uh, uh, many, many, many hours, which it would take for them. So the selling a business today might be harder because of the market itself right now. But I'm finding a lot of people looking at building their business as a passive income yeah. where I go, to, I go to Florida for six months and peek in my head once a month to get my check. And Billy and Joe are running the, the company really well. I'm paying them very good money and they can't get a better job than they have. And, you know, that's not a bad idea. But I do want to, and I call that passive ownership. But I want to talk about uh, stepping away and creating passive income that you talk about all the time. Yeah. Well, again, it's, it's, if you think about what, what happens in the other circumstance, so let's say you do an exit and you get, you know, millions of dollars for your company. Well, you're going to probably invest that you're probably going to, you might buy an annuity, you might buy some real estate. And, but what the upshot is that you're after is some income right? You want some income to live off. You might want a legacy for your kids and your grandchildren. There might be, you know, great causes that you want to prosper in the world, things that you really believe in. But at the end of the day, after you do a strategic exit, you're, you're looking to configure your, your, your new financial resources in a way that's going to help you just enjoy your lifestyle. So, the passive income model, like you're talking about, you know, so whether you own a bunch of real estate or you just you own a business that throws off a nice salary to you every year and you don't work there that much, you know. So if we're saying that's passive income, we're in the same exact situation that we really wanted, you know, emotionally and in terms of ease and financial freedom, where we're not working so much at all unless we want to, and we've got a regular check coming in. So it's the same result and the same benefit. It's just a different way to get at it. 
you keep the company that you built. And if nobody's willing to pay you what you think it's worth, oh, that's okay. I'll just keep drawing the earnings out. Yeah. So creating those value drivers puts you in a position of making a choice. And you know, the other thing, Kevin, is in today's low environment, rate environment, at 1%, I mean, go to a bank and try to buy a CD for 1.5%, forget it. <laughs> Remember, we as business owners, we get our car paid, our health insurance, our gas, our country club, our lunches, along with a big salary. Well, you know, when you sell your company and get through the fees and the capital gains and the taxes and you net out a certain amount of money, that's that's the money you don't want to risk in the market because that represents your future income. But but you know, two percent of four million dollars is only eighty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. So and that might not be a lot. So my point being is you need to position yourself, I think, uh, looking at if I sell outright or can I create a passive income through passive ownership. That, yeah, that, I, that I, option. Yeah, I I would actually counsel people and i wish business owners could have this thought you know early as early on as possible in in their ownership experience is you build your business and you do the same things you build your systems you build your team you optimize your processes you you work on your your ebitda you want to build your earnings um, and have things be repeatable and high quality for your client experience and then you know, fast forward 10 years, now you can decide, well, I'm just going to keep running this thing. It doesn't take much of my time and I get some pretty meaningful income. Or you go to market and you see if you can get, you know, five, six, seven times EBITDA and have a nice big payday. But you've got options and flexibility that you don't have if you're just head down, working real hard. You know, like I know a lot of, you know, like plumbers, electricians, contractors, they just work really, really hard. and you know, they can put away some extra income each year and they're building something, but their business really doesn't have a lot of value because it's their job and they haven't delegated and they haven't built systems. They just know what to do and they, they're they making widgets. Yeah, what I, I say, they have a place, a position and a paycheck. Uh, nothing wrong with that, but they're not going to have a business per se that produces income. Kevin, tell yep. us about I think we covered a little bit about it, but do you have anything more to say about creating engaging processes to op- optimize sales and marketing and client delivery systems? Well, I think you know one of the most enjoyable things I do with business owners is I, you know, it starts with this pause. It starts with this moment where we're working on the business. And one of the things I always engage people around is like the, the why. You know, people generally talk about and market their businesses and sell their products or services at the level of, you know, what we do. And that's maybe sufficient. Like I'm a roofer, I'm an attorney, I'm a neurosurgeon, you know, this is what I do. You know, some, but then the next level of conversation is really compelling. And that's the level of how, well, how did I get to learn this? And how do I know how to do a really great job replacing your roof? Or how do I know how to do a really great will and a trust, you know, document for your family. As a consumer, that's important to me to hear a little bit more about how they got to do this and, you know, not just trust them because, you know, I, I found them on Google. Um, to know how, they're, how they got to learn that, that's an important thing for me to learn. And I think for a lot of buyers as well. But the, the real crowning 
achievement is to do the work that not a lot of people do, which is the why. So we've got the what you do. How do you do that? How did you learn to do it? How do you know that you do it well? The bottom line is the why. And I take my clients through this exercise of digging into the why. And it's, you know, why does it really matter for you to be expert and do a good job? But why does it matter to the client? And I'll give you an example of a, a, a restoration company I worked with recently. You know, they do when you have fire damage or smoke or mold or water damage, you know, they come and clean it up and then they, they go away and you put your house back together. You know, an insurance takes care of it usually. So I was working with this business owner about his, you know, what you do and how do you do that? Oh, we have all kinds of certifications and training and different products. This is great. So why does it matter that you do it well? And we wrestled with this for a while and he finally came up with this little piece of language, which is we restore harmony. So I just want to let that land for a moment. We restore harmony. So if you've ever had this happen in your home where you've had a pipe burst or, you know, anything that kind of a disruption and your home's upside down, you know, it's just, it's not pleasant. So we landed on this concept of we restore harmony as like his, I call it the business impact. And then the next step is, okay, how do we build that into the marketing, the hiring, the training, the website, the deliverable? So if everybody is on board now with this concept of, so what's your business? Oh, well, we restore harmony. What? Tell me more. <laughs> you know, how do you do that? It's, it's, so it's this really compelling uh, process of helping even a business owner that's been doing their business for 10, 20 years, help and remind them of this great deep impact that they provide their clients that they lose sight of when they're just busy working in their business and not working on the business. You know, uh, I agree with you because I just had a roof put on my house and I love the workers and the guy that did it. He's a great guy. I know why he does it, but boy, it was so nice that I got my harmony back after they did it. And that, and that was the pleasure that they did it the right way. So in that example, that's a perfect example. And I couldn't relate to go back to when you said why. And, you know, can, uh, you know that I just finished that book. And right in the beginning of my book, I talk about what gave me the passion to be a business planner because of my father's death. And that was a strong why. And, yeah. and, and you yeah. know, Kevin... I know that you have the spiritual side of you that's very interesting to me. And you talk about clarity, energy, and gratitude. Kevin, let's talk about that. Well, so yeah, I've, I've started a meditation practice back in 1983, and I've done a lot, worked with different teachers. Um, I actually take a trip just about every year to the pyramids in Mexico. I bring groups of spiritual travelers to go, you know, challenge themselves and discover more about, you know, who, who we are, you know, really essentially underneath all the labels that we add about business owner, father, husband, parent, you know, all we have all these labels that we wear and sometimes proudly, but they all add a lot of weight. And it's, it's really wonderful to be able to shed those layers and just kind of be our, our essential self. So that's, that's a, a process I've been undergoing for a long time. And I lead people through processes to really, you know, kind of understand their heart and their mind. And it, it's only when we challenge our existing 
systems and beliefs that we have any power to change anything and make it any different. So for me, having some mindfulness and awareness of my own beliefs and where I limit myself, that's the first step towards understanding how I can you know, go beyond that and take, take new ground. Um, so real quick story, and pardon me, I don't, I don't think I've told you the story before, Tom, but the, those particular three words about clarity and energy and gratitude are real kind of keystones for me. Um, back in 2006, I had a brain hemorrhage. So particularly, it was a perimesencephalic subarachnoid hemorrhage for any medically oriented people listening. But I, I, I was in the uh, ICU down at St. Rafe's in New Haven and was pretty certain that I was going. I was dying. Uh, they didn't have a lot of hope for me and didn't have anything they could do for me. And in that moment of, you know, which actually was a number of days, it kind of, and in the aftermath of, of healing and coming out of that and just getting better and getting back to my life, I asked myself, you know, what's the purpose of this? Because that's something we do sometimes. We'd like to find meaning and purpose in our lives. Maybe there is some, maybe there isn't, you know, but we get to design, just let me say that again. We get to decide and choose what our lives are about. And then if we're fortunate, we get to live that way. So the, the biggest thing I came from, I came to after that uh, brain hemorrhage was just more gratitude. And I had, a, I had been teaching classes about gratitude and abundance and prosperity for years and trying to live a really good life and be a man of integrity and love and service. And I'm like, why did, it, why did this have to happen to me? And, and what I really came up with is even more gratitude. Now, how could I express more and how could I help other people express more gratitude and particularly through the workplace? So those are three key words that guide me every day and that I have programs where I ask my clients to, you know, how could, you know, what, what are they clear about who they are? And I challenge them to develop even greater clarity. You know, in terms of energy, we're investing energy every day, but there's ways of getting more energy and there's ways of being mindful where we invest it to get a greater return. And again, gratitude is just the, uh, you know, gratitude's the, the lubrication and the, <laughs> it's, it's, it just helps make everything work. You know, you know I'll, I'll often just think about, you know, all the, if, if you, if, you know, if you have a belief in a God and a divine being or whatever your belief system is, you know, there's a lot of people all day long, all around the world asking for this, for that. I need help with this. Please help me here. I need this. I need that. Imagine God listening to all the prayers, and there's this one little voice way over there just saying, hey, just want to say thank you. Yeah. Thank you for my life. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. I love you. I love life. Thank you. Like, wouldn't you imagine that like, that would bring a tear to God's eye? <laughs> you know, that's... the uh, in, in a world where it's, uh, I got to have it now, and what else can you give me? Yes. And, you know... Before we wrap this up, Kevin, uh, I do want to say that the fact that you coach business owners to learn how to take more time off and step out of the box and get their calmness down allows them to really look at clarity and gratitude 
at a very focused level. So again, that's just a byproduct of taking more time off. And, um, and I can appreciate that. Kevin, I, I could be talking for another couple of hours, but I can't, but I, I gotta have to tell you, I have to thank you, but uh, Kevin, I know people uh, will want to go to your website and take a look at uh, maybe some of the videos you have. Um, what are the things uh, that they should look for or what do you have that, uh, that you might want to send down to them if they have an interest in talking to you? All right, great. Well, thanks again for, for having me on the show today, Tom. This was a real pleasure getting to talk about some of these things. So my, my website is energizeyou.com. So it's E-N-E-R-G-I-Z-E, energize, and then just the letter U. So energizeyou.com. And there's all kinds of free content there and videos. And for people that come to this show, I want to highlight a special link in the middle of the homepage where you can request a, a complimentary strategy session. So for people that are listeners of your show or perhaps they're readers of your, your new book, um, I'm in, I'll invite you to have a complimentary session where we'll just we'll meet and we'll talk and we're, we'll see where you're at in, in, the, in the life cycle of your business, maybe help you start to shift your thinking about, wow, I, I would like to take more time off, but I don't know how. I would like to build my business and build the earnings and maybe sell it someday and have a nice retirement. I'd be happy to help any of your listeners start to dig into that conversation and, and start to you know, build a bridge to the future that they can imagine. Yeah, it's, a, it, it's the start to start building your, your ideal business life. And Kevin, when you say you'll speak to them, will it be uh, by phone, by Zoom, by person? Uh, well, and right now I would say it'll most likely be by Zoom call or phone. Um, I like Zoom calls because I'll often pull up some documents or some you know, information that I can share with them depending on where they're at. Um, sometimes I know people are a little zoomed out these days. So straight up phone calls are actually <laughs> a little easier sometimes. Yeah. And then, you know, as we, as we move through the, uh, this period of time we're in, I, I, old school, I love having coffee and breakfast and lunches and, you know, maybe have a beer with people at the end of the day. So we'll, we'll just see how, how and when that's available too. Um, I want to thank the audience for dropping by and we learned a lot from Kevin and remember the, the, the podcast is really about sharing these ideas and these strategies to make the business owner's life better, to create profits, to create a better business, but more importantly, a better life to find leisure time, to enjoy your family and your friends and, and, and have a life, uh, um, in any event, Kevin, once again, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for tuning in. Whenever you're ready to grow and protect your business while creating more balance in your life, here are three steps you can take. One, subscribe to this podcast. To request a free copy of Tom's newly published book, Unlocking Your Business DNA, email Tom at tperone at Inc. Dot com. And on the subject line, type DNA. Include your mailing address. And thirdly, take the one-minute scorecard and report to see how efficient you are in your business planning. Email tperone at necgginc.com and request scorecard. For additional information, click the show notes.